The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise, and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. I think uh, this, this scene... Uh, perhaps more than any other gospel scene, is one where uh, we ought to at least put to the test our active receptivity. We ought to, of course, be cult- cultivating an active receptivity, right? God, God is at work. God is the, the center and source of our lives. He's, he's our lifeblood. He's our, he's our strength, right? We, we don't we're not, the, we're not the origin of our, our faith story, our life of faith, our own, our own human story, right? our, our, our life um, and, and the grace that God shows us. He's at, this, he's at the very center. He's, he initiates all the action. He's, he's doing it all. And we have to be receptive to him. This is like, the, I mean, this is a big part, maybe even the major part of Christian life, of Christian living is to cultivate an active receptivity to God, to, to have hearts that receive what it is he wants us to receive, and, and really hearts to receive him. Yeah, and, and this passage, I think, I don't know if I'd say it puts us to the test as far as that goes, yes, but also it helps us to cultivate an active receptivity. Because there's, there's something going on in this passage that the apostles really struggle to understand. And I will say that there's something going on in this passage that we cannot exhaust with our understanding. Yeah? Believe it or not. Yeah, believe it or not. I mean, I could talk about this passage probably for a few hours. I don't know, maybe a couple of days. I'm not sure. Right? Give me some... I'm not... Yeah, no, it's okay. I'm not going to. It's okay. I could, I could do that, but, but even like working our way through the history of interpretation of, of the text and all that kind of thing, the many, you know, at this point, more than a thousand years of, of commentary on the scripture, we could, we could work through all of that and still not exhaust what it is, right, as a, as a mystery, yeah? So, and I think any attempt to understand what is happening in the transfiguration of Jesus, anytime we go, oh yeah, I get it, it evades our grasp. And there's something more. Yeah, so that said, I think the first response or, the, or probably our first approach 
to interacting with the passage and the mystery of the transfiguration is to allow it to be what it is. And what it is is a little bit strange. You know, it's like, what is it? What is going on here? Jesus' face shining like the sun. How many of you looked into the sun recently? <laughs> We've been told not to do that for a while. Do you know, like, imagine the sun blazing, but like, a good bit closer to you. That's a, they were, do you know their reaction, right? They were afraid. This is a wild. And this is, this is the God of creation. And he is a bit wild. You know, he's wilder than we think. We want to tame him and domesticate him, but he's, he's much wilder than, than that. And here it is, right? His face shining like the sun. His clothes becoming white as light. We just have to allow that to make an impression on us. Anyway, that's, that's my first little pace. There are, two, there are two other kind of, I guess, groups of points that I want to make. The first is this, the, the journey to see Jesus revealed in his glory. And we can take this as both the journey that the apostles make to the top of the mountain, and we can look at the journey they take with Jesus, having gone down the mountain, to his glory uh, being finally and fully re- revealed in the cross, in his death that defeats death. Yeah? So, what I mean, I, many, many of us have had the opportunity to go to the Holy Land. Um, it, it's kind of debated which mountain this particular mountain is, either Mount Tabor or Mount Hermon. Either way, it, it doesn't really mess around with the, the details of the story because that's a hike. <laughs> it's a massive, it's a massive hike. This wasn't, for whatever reason, they weren't going on a casual stroll that day. Jesus is taking them up to the top of a mountain. It's a mountain. Yeah, so there was a lot of exertion as they went. I think it's important for us to, to see the apostles' exertion as they're climbing the mountain and be able to see like our our pilgrimage through Lent as something of scaling or climbing a mountain. Yeah? It's, it's a bit tougher than walking the torn. Do you know? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's up there. Probably even more than Pyramid Mountain. Do you know? It's, it's, it's getting up there. And it's, and it's long. It's a long journey. It's an arduous journey. And there are likely not any paths cut. There are roads that go up, certainly Mount Tabor now. They're steep. I mean, the drivers drive them very fast, it, it's, and everybody gets very afraid, but it's, there's a lot of praying going on on the side of the mountain, more than on the top, probably. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a steep, it's a steep hill, and, uh, and even with those paths cut and cars going up, it's still a tough trip. So it's important for us to see our journey through Lent as a tough trip, as, as, climbing, as climbing a mountain, because we have to allow the penitential practices that we take on to push us beyond what we conceive to be, I don't know if I'd say our natural limits. What I mean is more, we have to be pushed on before what our level of comfort is. Yeah? If we never escape the realm of, of comfort, uh, we won't have the capacity to live according to the plan and purpose of God because he's called us to live a life of self-gift. And, and comfort then is always at, at war with us 
as we, as we want to live that life that, that is a going beyond ourselves. And we go beyond ourselves in, in worship of God, in praise of him, and then in, in his service, pouring ourselves out in love, right? Those are the, the two ways, mainly, that we, that we go beyond ourselves, but that's the life that we're made for. The problem is that comfort doesn't allow either of those to happen, except very much on the margins in a way that is not going to um, upset the whole, as it were, right? So like, if I've made, if I've made comfort or pleasure kind of very, a, a bit too central for me, and I probably have, I can talk to myself about this, I probably have, because I'm a, because I'm a man of this world, yeah? And the, and the world is all about that. It's got nothing else, actually. It's got nothing else to offer you except for that. Just be comfortable until you're not comfortable, and then you're like, well, what's that about? Anyway, it's, there, there, are, there are issues when we, lose, when we lose sight of the great purpose for which God has created us. So anyway, it's that we have to be involved in something of an arduous journey, and our Lenten disciplines ought to, ought to help us to go beyond ourselves in those capacities. So yeah, we're praying, we're fasting, we're giving alms. Is it, is it easy? I don't think, I don't think it is. It, it, it shouldn't be, right? Praying, fasting, giving alms. And especially kind of turning up the, the heat a little bit, taking a little more time, a little more focus, energy, attention, whatever. These are, these are things that pull us out of that realm of comfort and have us recognize that we're in fact not made for comfort. We're made for, we're made for the greatness of embodying God's own life of love. But we, again, we, right, we can, you're starting to hear some of the transfiguration theme, maybe. So they're connected, right? The, the climb up the mountain is connected to the, to the capacity of the apostles to receive what is being shown them in Jesus's, in this uh, kind of self-revelation of, of Jesus, self-revelation of God as man. So that's the, that's the second piece, yeah, is like, we have, we have to be journeying, and we have to be journeying in going outside of ourselves in order, to, in order to cultivate an active receptivity to what God wants to entrust to us. And he wants, he wants to show us himself. He wants to draw us into deeper relationship with himself. This is the point of the journey. But we've, we've got to keep going. Yeah, so um, our Lenten penances, I have to say, are not, they're not like New Year's resolutions, at least in any number of ways, in the sense that if, because we've prayed about our, our penances, we've prayed about what we're going to do in the realms of prayer, facing, and almsgiving, we trust that God has put us on a course to, say, experience and, and see and receive his glory. When he did that, when he put us on a course, say, through the, through the help of those penances or those means of grace, uh, he knew how we were going to interact with them as well. So he knew that on, you know, the second day or, or halfway through Ash Wednesday, you were going to mess it up. He, he knew that. He knew that when he gave you the penance. And now you have the opportunity to turn back to him and say, okay, Lord, you know, I, you know, I fell off the horse and help me get back on. You know, give me a, give me a leg up. Give me a boost. I got to get back on the horse, right? And you, and you keep going. New Year's resolutions are not that way, right? It's like we're... We all made the New Year's resolution to go to the gym. <laughs> That's why the Y was crowded for the first two weeks of the year. You know? And then it's over, right? And in part because we're not, we're not necessarily making those resolutions with God 
as our primary objective and what he wants for us as our primary objective and knowing that he's going to sustain us in the task is very different from the, from the penances and, uh, and the practices that we, that we take on, that we engage in uh, here in Lent, right? So time to, time, with the help of God, yeah, time to get back on and, and keep going, keep journeying. How many times do you think climbing a high mountain where the apostles like, what? Yeah, what? <laughs> you know, what do we? But, but every, every difficult step was an opportunity to trust Jesus at the head. It was, it was an opportunity to trust Jesus and where he's going, where he's leading. That's the same for us. So when we encounter difficulties, whether it's in our, pra- in our Lenten practices or it's just in our lives generally during Lent, we have a heightened sensitivity to the fact that God has called us to this moment to be the people that he's called us to be, and he is the one who's making a way. Now, this is the transition into the third and final point of the, of the homily. I know, yeah. Um, you never know. It could, it could grow legs, and we could, you know, we could be in trouble still. But, okay, the third, the third, point, of the, the third point of the homily. Look at, look at what comes from the clouds. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, bright clouds and, and the rest. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Yeah, this is, this is the instruction of the apostles, right? Just before this, Peter has said, you're the Christ. And then Jesus said, I'm going to go die. This, this is the plan. I'm going to go die. And Peter says, no, you're not. And then he says, get behind me, Satan. And then he pulls them off here. And this revelation, there's something very significant about that quick, say, turn of events, where now Peter is made witness to the glory to be, to be revealed in Christ Jesus. You know, his, his every, every fiber of his being radiating the love and the life of, of God in an extraordinary way. Like, Peter especially needs to hear this. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son also means this is my anointed king, right? This is God's anointed king. This is Messiah talk. So yes, he is Right, the Messiah, the cloud, the voice of God, the voice of God. He he's a weird God, hiding out in the clouds. <laughs> anyway, there's some humor in this text. You have to see it. Yeah, um, he's calling out from the clouds. This is my beloved son. Yeah, so yes, yes, he's the Messiah. He's the King. He's the King. Follow him. Listen to him. Of course, they were listening to him all along, but now they have to pay close attention. Why? Because. With the, with the witness and the confirmation of the law and the prophets, the revelation of, of God, again, uh, the, the radiance of, of God that Jesus is showing forth, um, and, and the voice, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Okay, now, hearts and minds trained on Jesus. So he's making now the path. He's going to lead the way. And where he leads... We, they, the apostles, and we follow. Here's the challenge for them. He's, he's going to flip every expectation they had on its head. So those three need the confirmation. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Because they're going to go where they don't want to go. And he's going to make a way that they would prefer to not walk. And there are no mistakes being made by him as he does. 
So now he needs their full obedience, their full attention, their full focus. This is the same for us. We've, we've climbed the mountain, right? We're climbing the mountain. We're, we're exerting ourselves. We're going beyond ourselves in order to cultivate an active receptivity to God. But now we're hearing his voice and we're committed to, to following where he leads. He's le- he is leading on the path of sheer radical generosity. Wholehearted praise of God, that's his path. And full hearted service of God in pouring himself out in love to the end. That's where he's going. Yeah. For, and we have to follow. So what does it mean? We are, we are on our Lenten journey. We are being led by the Lord of love. Everything for us then has to be expressive of the radical generosity of God. So we're going to find ourselves, guess what, in in difficult places. We're going to find ourselves in the midst of great challenges. Right? As soon as we say, okay, yes, I'm I'm committing to the way that God wants me to go. I'm I'm committing to the path of prayer and love. Everything in my life has to be prayer and love. I'm committing myself to reflecting God's splendor, His glorious splendor into the world. I'm going the way of radical generosity. Right? Guess what's going to happen? As soon as we take a step on that path, we're going to face headwinds. We're going to face challenges where it becomes very, very difficult to go that way. But that's the way that Jesus is going. And it's not a mistake. And it's the way that he is making, yes, now in your heart, in your life. And it's ours simply then to trust him and to obey him. It's to listen to him. Right? So we, when we go out, we set out, okay, yes, the way of charity, the way of radical generosity, the way reflecting God's splendor. Right? We're going to go step by step. And sometimes that's what it is. I, can, I, I can't see where you're leading, Lord. This is too tough for me, God. I can't endure this. But can I? One step at a time. Right? One step at a time. Can I, can I love here and now? Lord, I'm praying to you that I'd be able to love here and now. And I can't see where you're going. I don't know, I don't know the path, but, I'm willing, but I can take this step with you. I trust you. I can take this step with you. I want my life like yours to be nothing but love. That's the great task that you've entrusted to me. I can't do it of my own strength, but I can do it in the strength and power of your own life of love. And that's, the, that's our Lenten journey, my friends. It really is. That's it, is, is love. It's, it's charity. It's generosity to keep going beyond ourselves, even when we think we can't, but doing it, trusting and following Jesus. So the words, the words spoken by God the Father from the, from the clouds are words for us to hear as well. We have to pay special, close attention to Jesus. We have to commit ourselves to to going his way no matter what, no matter what we face, no matter what it costs. <coughs> Our glory and the glory of, of God will be shining for, forth in us as we trust and follow him. This is my beloved son God has already revealed to us. Listen to him. Listen to him. <laughs>